0: Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations Podcast. This is the Conversations half. We will be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne.
1: I'm Kevin. I'm Danny. I'm Julie. And it's Easter. Easter yes. Sunday. <laughs> Christ is risen. He has risen is indeed. risen indeed. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. You guys are good. But <laughs> b- before we dig in, actually this just popped in my head. Can we first talk about like how funny it is that so there's for any listeners that aren't familiar, there's like this tradition of like one a call and response thing that I don't know when that became a thing. But like one person says Christ is risen and then everyone responds, he's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, but like sometimes people aren't ready for it <laughs> yeah. and their responses are just like really weak.
0: Also, Lutherans have the tendency to be very uh, monotone in their yeah. responses.
2: Hallelujah. I actually, when we woke up this morning, woke her up by saying Christ is risen. And she's like, what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. I responded. Props for like being about it (laughs) right out of the gate.
0: Got a group text from my aunt with Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Happy Easter. So
1: there you go. It's everywhere. (laughs) Yep. It didn't really dawn on me that it was Easter. Until like, you know, like I woke up and at first it was just like, oh, if I don't get out of bed now, I'm going to like Easter breakfast isn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was just terrible. And then I like, it wasn't until I got out the door, you know, and now it's just started being like nice outside. Right. So it was like and with daylight savings, it's like lighter, longer uh, or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's Easter.
0: Spring.
1: It's a nice realization.
0: Well, I went to the Easter vigil last night, so I kind of feel like I got d- double Easter because there was all the songs and call response and stuff last night as well as today.
1: Cool, cool. I'm, you know, I do like going to multiple services is nice because it can get so repetitive. I think this is kind of what the sermon was uh, in part about, was just like trying to like wake, wake everyone up from just going through the motions, just doing something that's repetitive, but seeing seeing yeah seeing easter for like all that it is
0: i mean it's supposed to be one of the like the most holy days of the christian year so i feel like it should have that weight and that importance
1: yeah
2: yeah i mean it is a fairly big deal as far as (laughs) as far as days goes go
0: yeah it's kind of like core to how we understand christian theology is christ's resurrection and this is the day to celebrate Grace Resurrection.
2: Yeah, well, when Pastor Danielle was talking to the children, today's scriptural passage at the end, actually, I'm looking at it. They went out and fled the tomb for terror and amazement and seized them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And then she asked the children, like, do you think that they eventually told somebody? Um, and the kids were like, uh, what? But she was like, of course they did. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here, which <laughs> I think is a pretty good
1: point. <laughs> yeah. That's great. (laughs) Kids are just like. I don't really care. Kid, their kid logic, but yeah, it is a really good point. Sometimes I think the the children's sermon just drives home the point so much more simply than anything else could. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's good for adults too.
0: And one thing that's always, or that I've been hearing more lately, but that. Hit me again today was the fact that it was the women who were the first people at the tomb and the first people mm, to see yeah, yeah. the resurrection. And they were also like the last people at the cross. So can't exclude women from your Christianity because we've always been here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's
1: a good point. And first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they tried mightily to do so, anyways, but you're right. <laughs> and actually, like, I relate to that. It, it reminds me of experiences I've had, which, like, not to like make a stereotype out of it, but like I've found g- generally in my experiences that like in, in working in groups or or anything like women tend to be the first to like notice something or to like point out a problem or point out an opportunity. I've it's just something I've noticed. Um, what God, you're I trying to say is that are women are smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, and I, I just it, like I I see re- reflected. <laughs> I'm not arguing in the story that like (laughs) it it makes sense to me based on my own life experience that women (laughs) would be would be the first to like to to be there and to like and to notice than to try to be heard (laughs) and believed.
0: Um, well, also one of the things I've been hearing about more lately, um, is kind of emotional labor and how women are kind of raised and expected to be the ones to take on the emotional labor of the people around them. Mm. Um, and so, and just also generally of like the little things that need to be done or managing a household, like, one thing that also struck me with what the women were doing were they were taking care of the body. They were doing these kind of small rituals, but kind of things that needed to be done for him to not be on the cross.
1: Mm. And so they, it was probably the women going to do it because in the time that was like a women's expectation or yeah. role.
0: And that still happens today. That it's kind of women are expected to run the household, and generally women are trained and expected to take on the emotional labor from relationships or from other people.
1: What what a twist that like that the carrying out of that role ends up making them like the most important, you know, of the people, the most important people in in the story. There might be a message there.
0: That's part of kind of the subversive gospel that like Jesus came and hang hung out with the lowly and the ones that weren't in power. And like in one of the versions of the um, resurrection, Jesus is mistaken for a gardener. Um. So yeah. like someone, I'm assuming not super high up on the totem pole. Um. So like this is all part of a trend that of the, like, flipping over the world and the least shall be the hi- the most or the highest.
1: Yeah. It's not just, you know, when I when I hear the story and read it, it's it's not just, like, a theological nicety. Like, I very much view it as, like, a social revolution or, or a call to one. And a, as a social revolution, you know, I believe we are still called to... Live out and carry out today that is that is like still still coming into being
3: yeah, that was a good point. I think that they were the first to be there, they were the first to I think later on they encounter angels who eventually tell the woman what happened, and they're the one who reaches out to disciples, so I think there is some significance in that he tends to reach out to people who's not in power politically or. Um, in a society structure but those who are you know weak and powerless are the one god reaches out and work through so i think that aspect really speaks to me because i um i'm a woman and also i'm not powerful or anything but this kind of aspect is always good to remind me of because that's how god works god works in mysterious ways
1: I could never hope to say it better than you just did. That was so good. In, in pastor Daniel's sermon, you know, I think she talks about, she highlights the idea that it's like a social revolution in the way that God works through the poor and works, works through women, works through, yeah, you know, people and groups who are not in power in the system he walks into. And she talks about how like this happens, not with the sword and, um, you know, not like through, not through like some crazy divine fireworks show, but um, through through these people and and through the powerless, and something I believe is still you know being worked through them, through people today, and I think that's pretty cool, that it's not, it's like this amazing, transformative, nonviolent movement that I think we still get to be a part of because it's not over.
2: No, the work is ongoing. Although I do think raising someone from the dead is sort of a theological fireworks show. <laughs> I mean, fair, that, that, fair. that that in and of itself is a fairly impressive uh, spectacle. That that kicks the whole thing off.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. Spectacle would be the word. And and there's the the parts you know in some of the gospels about like everything shaking, right? Like, the curtain rips. So
2: I mean, you know, pe- people need to be shocked into into changing their paradigm. I think
1: yeah
0: mm. we'll kind of get into later on a kind of literal theological fireworks show with pentecost oh yeah and the tongues of flame yeah
1: <laughs> and there's flames and and all that stuff yeah <laughs> people do need to be shocked into it sometimes and that and, and that's kind of what i saw in today's sermon of like the the passion that and the language that pastor danielle brought was i think about you know it wasn't like it, there weren't fireworks but it was a sense of like you know, wake up and kind of see this for for what it is, for how amazing it is. I guess sometimes we need, we still need that.
0: Since we were talking about social justice and kind of activism, one tendency I noticed with kind of the activist churches is that it can be kind of negative and like these things are going wrong or we need to fix these issues. But it was kind of nice um, for this kind of Easter sermon to have a chance to kind of, Focus on the positive and, like, the God has risen and just the glory and wonder of that. Even though, like, with the acknowledgement there's still some not great things going on in the world, just embracing hope and embracing love for him, uh, and making that the focus for a little while.
2: Yeah, there was that line
1: that we were talking about earlier.
0: Nothing is forgotten or forsaken.
1: Nothing is forgotten or forsaken what does that mean to you guys
0: thinking about easter as a moment of understanding and fully seeing god's love and just nothing is forsaken or nothing is forgotten as in like god sees each person and each creature and fully knows and understands them in a very deep and personal way
2: yeah i mean i think it's all about it it some level is about the the intrinsic value of all of us that i think is very commonly forgotten when people are reduced to classes or groups or just sort of i, I don't want to say numbers but numbers essentially
1: sometimes and and like nationalities like yeah oh you know oh you're in your country you have rights and you're more of a person but as soon as you cross this line <laughs> you know you no longer do
2: yeah no there's there's a lot of that but i think taking the time to remember that all of us are sort of individuals that that have intrinsic merit is important and today is as good a day as i need to do it i think today is you know the day on which we are supposed to do it since it was for everyone
1: yeah yeah like i agree i think today is the day to remember oh this is this is good news for me and you know God coming into my life and reaching me but also it's good news for the world and for like every every corner and crevice and every person and that we're like bound up in it together I I do I agree that it's like a personal like God knows us personally but I also think it's like and this is my more my personal view but like the way I also hear that is like it's not like a it's not like a one-on-one personal contract, but like that relationship with God also binds me up in relationship with everyone else. Like it's a, it's a package deal, if that makes sense. Like we're, we're all in this kind of this, uh, in this resurrection, we're all in this covenant together, which it adds responsibility to it for me, but it, it makes it also makes it like more, even more amazing.
0: Danny, you were kind of talking about before of Easter as kind of the start or end of history. Do you want to go into that a little bit more?
2: Um, yeah, sort of. I mean, I, I, when when we had these lulls, I was just like, do I want to get into this?
1: I would say, yeah, start uh, a conversation yeah. on this. Like, we can be critical at times yeah, and, and smart it. about it.
2: I mean, I don't know exactly smart where smart to go it. with it, which is sort of what, what hesitates me in starting it. I mean, I think that there was this oh, sort of vibe and, and other people, I think, took it differently. But this sort of view of, of Jesus as the, or not Jesus, but Jesus's resurrection uh, as the beginning of history, which sort of came across in today's sermon, which I think is a, a view that has permeated the churches at, at various points in history. And I think that exists today and that I think is a little bit wrongheaded. I mean, it's this sort of renewed social compact. Um, or covenant but ignores all of history that stretched before it Um, and I think talking about it as a new reality which is what other people heard makes a little bit more sense it isn't the beginning it's it's sort of a continuation of a paradigm shift perhaps but it, it all occurs
1: yeah I think, for, uh, yeah, I think, and I think that manifests in the world a lot, you know, beyond today's sermon, like for so long, um, you know, since like really like the rise of the church in Europe, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, like the, the kind of Eastern narrative, the Christian narrative has like dominated other histories mm-hmm. to the point where it's excluded other histories and, and oppressed other histories, you know, yeah. like both those before um, the time of Christ, B.C., and also, like, histories happening concurrently in other parts of the world. Yeah. You know, and... And, it, I mean, it wasn't...
2: The the world was very large, and we talk about it, you you said, I think, earlier, um, it being something for every crevice of the world. And while that is true, it is also not as if people... Everyone around the world heard of it, and knew it at the time that it had happened.
1: Yeah. It, like, as far as we understand, it happened in a specific geographical location. And, and you know, if, if written histories of that era elsewhere to, to
2: be given some sort of credence, then presumably a lot of people didn't hear about it for a
1: long time. So how do we, how do we reconcile those two things? Like the Christian belief that, that like this resurrection is for the whole world and and the like you know empirical knowledge that you know Jesus lived in a in a certain you know geographical location in the middle east and you know our whole testament is mostly the account of a specific you know the jewish people right um you know it's it's one history it did the we've christianity has expanded the belief to you know be for the whole world and I, I see that in the scripture but like yeah i don't know what do what do we make of that
0: i think you can see it even in the gospels of sometimes they'll go back and forth where it's kind of talking about jesus and the resurrection for the whole world and for everyone but then also for the jewish people And I know that was one of the struggles in kind of the early church is like, do Gentiles have to become Jews before they can become Christians?
1: Ah, yeah. I've learned about that too. They were pretty uh, up in arms about it.
0: Yes. Every age has its own controversy.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I guess for me, just because if something's for the whole world doesn't necessarily mean everyone had to hear about it at the same time, Mm because that was one of jumping ahead to Pentecost, that's the whole idea of kind of sending the apostles out and spreading the word, and that's presumably why missionaries still exist today, even though missionaries is a very complicated thing, and the idea of spreading Christianity can get tied up in some imperialist stuff. Yeah, we know Um, it has a dark side. (laughs) I still think that's one of the good things about Christianity is it's like or generally positive elements. Is it's like it's for everyone. It wants to welcome and accept everyone in, even with their differences and between each other.
1: Yeah, I think it does a great job, like, of telling us as the church how we should be looking outward, Uh, like you know, with love and inclusivity. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think that that balance is been tough to reach and sort of tough to reach everywhere The the sort of difference between we would like you to hear this because we think it is good and you need to hear this because you need to hear this
1: yeah like the where's the line between being invitational and passionate and excited versus being uh imposing or for even forceful yeah i you know it's so funny because i like and i think a lot of lutherans feel this way because we tend to uh be more like mild-mannered for what it, whether because of our upbringing cultural background that is most common to lutheranism or the way that we're taught theology but like i i tend to end up on the more delicate side of that like i never bring religion up with you know my like a lot of my friends or people that i meet in brooklyn because i like i don't i i imagine that that once they know i work for a church that they're gonna be thinking like oh man he's gonna try and convert me you know like that as if i bring it up at all that someone would be defensive or think And I never want to come off that way, you know. I always want to be like, no, like I'm, I'm chill, like, (laughs) you know, I let's jam, yeah, like you do you. It's it's, that's fine. Um, At the same time, like I've, I've been hoping to grow in my ability to, like, I, I guess, you know, stand on my own two feet in what I believe and be able to speak about it to someone who has who's not inside this comfortable space of the church and already has some background knowledge. It's getting better, but that's good. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of misperceptions out there.
2: Um, you know, some shared by me at sort of various points in time. But yeah. I think that and and from what I understand from having sort of read and spoken with Pastor Daniel further that, you know, the sort of a lot of the covenant of grace protestant type theologies like the outside perception and then in some cases the inside perception which i think drives a lot of the the sort of imperialist position type Mm -hmm. approaches to the great commission that we're talking about is this general belief that like you must do something or you are going to go to hell and we do not want to see you go there
1: Mm. yeah which is still very prevalent in right many churches in america i know yeah
2: (laughs) um
1: in scary ways
2: and i think that a lot of people think that of all all churches that that is christianity right yeah so when you sort of start talking to people about it like yeah i can see how you'd have that background concern yeah
0: yeah it's this weird balance because it's like the christian church even u.s is just so diverse in what it believes so in some ways people's assumptions or negative assumptions about the church are true in many churches.
1: Yes. yeah, <laughs> But uh, like,
2: which is why all of our listeners if, should join us at Advent Lutheran. Church. Which is why I should come here. And then <laughs> <be there. laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And even, even though that's like, I say yes, like, yes, obviously it's true. Like it's important. I meant like, it's important to name that mm-hmm. and acknowledge that.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah there are many homophobic and sexist churches out there who read the same gospel and yet come away with very different ideas about what is correct mor- morality.
1: And who are celebrating Easter today mm. and Yeah, and hearing their own Easter sermons. Yeah, yeah. there's one not terribly so, far from here, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it's fascinating and, and confusing and challenging to, to think about. Remember when we were talking about just like enjoying today and being joyful?
2: (laughs) We made it thirty-two whole minutes. I think
1: that's (laughs) maybe we could like end on kind of talking about like how do how do we be joyful and celebrate in the midst of all everything we just talked about?
0: Yeah, that's kind of what the same thing I was thinking about is like how do we acknowledge in these hard realities? And I definitely tend to be a worrier so i'll tend to kind of ruminate much more on the n- bad things that are going on than in like the blessings i have or just kind of the general good things and the reason i have for hope
2: i mean it's this weird dichotomy because we sort of i think are able to relax and feel blessed when we look in- inwards. And by inwards, i mean you know i think about like i have a wife that i love like i'm happy i'm healthy like i got a lot to be thankful for um at the same time i think that we're sp- we're talking about looking outwards. We're looking at you know the the world as this sort of and this salvific event for the entire world, so there's this weird cognitive dissonance
1: yeah, absolutely you know th- that being said like i there are places in the world where I can look outward and see like resurrection and and new life um One example I love that I heard recently, like after doing the carbon fast over Lent and like people sharing other examples and videos and stories with me um, was that, you know, there, there tends to be a predominant view in America that like we are ahead of the game and superior in most or all areas to other countries, particularly third world countries. And a friend shared with me a video about and hear me being an american i'm going to forget which country this is because i, I think it's argentina um it's not i know i'm wrong i can feel it as i say it we're going to I'll place it in later the correct country but anyway but they they um there are cities uh, and towns within this country that are going completely plastic free and the people are taking their own initiative to do it working together and, like, like, the people are leading the political changes that need to happen and creating, like, incentives in the community. And, like, people are going door to door and, like, teaching how to do it. And, like, it's, it's amazing. And, like, we in America could learn a lot from what they're doing. And that's while you could look other places in South America and, you know, civil war or and violence, like, they're also, like, examples of, like, hope and innovation um when i look out in the world and i don't know maybe maybe today it's about focusing on that i don't know know.
0: and i mean there are reasons to hope like um i think it was the maternal death rate has consistently been going down and just other like worldwide health things that with the advancement of technology and with the spread of that we've been able to to help save more lives and from like preventable diseases
3: um i thought of more of focusing on myself because we live in society where we are constantly bombarded with comparisons of others social media is basically business that started off from how better other people's lives are instead of Mm -hmm. my life but if i look at my own life and how much i've grown throughout the year that itself is blessing but i'm constantly distracted by how other people are doing that i forget that my own improvement and my own life is better and that God is with me. But that is also a distraction. But I should focus more on myself and how much I've improved.
1: I think that's a great example of where, look, yeah, looking inward and seeing how God is working in your life is better than like looking outward and comparing, you know, the comparing game is like not, yeah. Yeah. You always a lose great, that game. A great counterexample. You will all, yeah. Even even people you know the wealthiest people or the most beautiful people, or whatever, yeah, are also will struggle in that game if if it gets a hold of them i agree in in our church in particular, like we it's it's not it's not good to to close off and to to shy away from seeing and naming all the effed up stuff that's happening in the world and and all the Things that need to change, and all the people who are, you know, being oppressed or hurting. But for me, being a, a Christian is being able to look all, at all that and and see it, and still choose hope, and still choose action and doing the work, even when it it uh you, you with the hope yeah with hope, even knowing that your own work won't be able to solve all these problems, or that the problem is so much bigger than you. It's it's choosing to say yes, and I'm gonna keep doing and keep hoping anyway. And yeah, that's to me. You know, you can look at the world and think it, either think it's getting better and believe that like God is working the world towards this this kingdom of God, or that it's getting worse. And there are strong arguments for both, you know. Like, uh, but I think you know, for me, faith is the choice to choose hope, with within everything else. Yeah. Anything else to add? How, how do we wrap this up?
0: Our final question, what yeah. What will you do differently this week?
3: Be more thankful <laughs> of things that's already with me.
2: Yeah, the only thing that immediately springs to mind is purchase half price Easter candy, which I don't think is the thing I'm going to do differently this week. <laughs> well, Although, you're definitely going to do it. I am going to do it, and I don't do it other weeks of the year, so... <laughs> yeah i I mean you know i think every week every week the answer is always that i'm going to try and be a better human being than i was the previous week um and i think that this week more than any week that's sort of the big takeaway that i that i get um but i'm trying to be more inventive than that and i'm struggling there
1: (laughs) yeah yeah we we can't uh I wonder if, like, I don't want, I, I have this paranoia that someone's going to be, like, binge listening to these. And I, I without realizing it, I'm going to be saying, like, the same takeaway every week. And they'll be like, man, Kevin's really redundant. <laughs> um, hopefully not. Do you know yours, Deanne?
0: Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of the same as Julie's of, like, how to be thankful for what i have and hopeful for the possibilities for the world especially as we're kind of getting into spring and new life and all that kind of stuff
1: i think i'm going to try to be more joyful that's a good one yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it seems like obvious but i don't know i yeah i'm gonna try and be more joyful and like also like Direct that towards how I interact with others and also how I see other people, like just try to see more positive positivity and and joy in other people, more God at work in other people
2: I mean, I think I'm going to try and think more about i mean we we talk about looking outward versus looking inward, mm-hmm. but I think that i I tend to get trapped in sort of thinking about myself yeah uh to to a fault um. <laughs> And and so I think I, I, I will try and look outward a little bit more um, and even, you know, at work when people ask me if I can do something <laughs> to make their lives easier, yeah, do it maybe. Yeah. And then just being like, no, I have a thousand other things that I need to be doing right now.
1: Yeah. But
2: be a little bit more open. Yeah. And to helping people. And
1: yeah. Awesome. Hope that goes well for everyone. Mm-hmm. And me.
0: Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.